Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Okay, welcome to Mission Supercritical, an exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining us today on the show. We've got uh, today's show, we've got Steve Nelson. He is the owner and uh, owner and operator and founder, I believe, of Ascent Extracts. Is that right, Steve? That is correct, Andy. And I, and I just said it wrong. I just caught myself. I even wrote it down. Ascent, not Ascent. Ascent Extracts. Tell me uh, tell me about the name. How, where's the name Ascent Extracts come from? Well, of course, you know, uh, the lovely state of Colorado. We have uh, um, many things that you can ascend or uh, have an ascent up here. And uh, <laughs> I thought uh, that was a, uh, kind of appropriate, especially given our uh, location near the front range of uh, the Rocky Mountains here, and okay. um, so, and I also uh, kind of a double play on words there that uh, we uh, are uh, ascending up, uh, trying to rise above uh, from a, a quality standard, um, and, and uh, be at the top of the rising, industry. Rising above what uh, what is otherwise available in uh, in Colorado, um, yeah. So, so you guys are in Pueblo. What, what's that? About two hours south of uh, of Denver there. Um, yeah. And yeah, so right there on the front range, beautiful. I was out there a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know it, uh, it's a very very nice part of the uh, Colorado. Um, weather's always perfect, but you know I'm jealous. But by the same token, you know Colorado's a, a tough place to try to start a marijuana business in. So let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about that here in a couple minutes. But before we get into you know some of the trials trials and tribulations of starting a cannabis business in the already established market of Colorado. Tell me a little bit about your background. You got a pretty interesting background here, and um, Air Force and, and U.S. Space Command. Tell me a little bit about your background, and then let's talk about how you got into the cannabis space. Yeah, certainly. Uh, be glad to. Um, yeah, I'm a retired Air Force uh, officer. Uh, did 22 years uh, with the Air Force. Um, first two thirds of my career, I was uh, what's known as an air battle manager these days. Um, and uh, that role, you're involved in basically uh, the tactical control of aircraft, mainly fighter aircraft, but also occasionally tankers, that sort of thing. But it's kind of the opposite of an air traffic controller where they keep planes apart. We intentionally <laughs> slam them together so that they can uh, do combat with each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, all kinds of interesting things with that. I uh, worked a lot with uh, radars and command and control systems for two-thirds of my career, and then uh, transitioned into space operations after that, and uh, where I worked for uh, U.S. Space Command, which eventually became U.S. Strategic Command, and then uh, also uh, I uh, worked at the 21st Operations Group uh, at Peterson Air Force Base. And, you know, uh, that that's a very interesting transition when you move from the tactical side of the Air Force, working with fighter pilots all the time, uh, <clears throat> because the uh, space operations folks are uh, a bit more cerebral and probably uh, uh, a little less uh, adrenaline-oriented. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> yes. That was nicely said. Um, 
Yeah, it's a very, very interesting uh, uh, group of folks and, and some absolutely brilliant people that I work with there. But, uh, you know, we did a lot of uh, interesting things, but most of it is um, stuff I can't talk about. So uh, right, right. <laughs> I'll right. kind of leave it at that. A, but a lot of. Certainly not on a radio yeah. anyway, right? <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's right. But so, it was all, okay. all good stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. So that's uh, so it's great. So you know, you're you're you know, obviously military guy. You know, government background. You know, all federal kind of stuff. Um, you know, yep. you, you you made the transition into the civilian world. Um, you know, not too terribly long ago. But then you find yourself here in the you know cannabis space, right? I mean, it's you know federally illegal. And and you know, while we can we can reserve the conversation as to whether it should be or shouldn't be, it doesn't matter. It is federally legal at the moment. And you know, how did you find yourself after 23 years of government service transitioning into you know what is almost the exact opposite uh, in in the cannabis space? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, oddly enough, uh, part of my time uh, in the Air Force, I was involved in counter drug operations as well. Uh, <laughs> So uh, for a couple of years, I lived in the Caribbean and Central America, um, uh, basically in a in a uh, multi-agency uh, task force um, uh, doing uh, drug interdiction. So uh, right. capturing smugglers, but most mostly uh, bales of cocaine and that sort of thing. But we did catch quite a bit. The interesting thing about that is, is while it was a lot of fun, and while uh, we did catch tremendous amounts of cocaine in the, those efforts. It was just scratching the surface, you know. And yeah. uh, um, and uh, I, I always had kind of questioned in the back of my mind since I was a, a young lad <laughs> why why cannabis was uh, illegal while other things that seeming seemed to be much worse for you um, were legal. So I, it never made sense to me. Obviously, when I was doing counter drug work, I, you know, you do you follow orders and do a good job and all that. But uh, as I saw that effort and all the billions of dollars we spent on that, it, it didn't seem like a good use of taxpayer dollars, in my opinion. You know, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, sure. Uh, and we're still fighting that war today. It's been going on since uh, uh, I believe Richard Nixon's time, and uh, right. it seems that uh, we're, we're we're keep chipping away at it. But I think we've only emboldened the. Uh, the cartels in that regard and uh they're much bigger and more powerful than the mob ever was during prohibition so um i think that was been a failed effort <laughs> although it was paved with many good intentions um but uh i don't think it's really worked out so well and i, I kind of see it now as a uh, one of these things that uh we need to relook we should have relooked at it a long time ago um but i'm glad to see that the states have started to do that and uh i wanted to be a part of that and it probably gave you some some tremendous insight into you know how the government you know what they look at what they don't look at you know that's always one of the fears of the the cannabis operators today is you know while they've got every intention of doing things right and legal and correctly or at least as much as possible you know the unknown is is frightening you know and what is it that they're looking for what do they care about what don't they care about you know having having insight into that kind of information has got to be tremendously valuable yeah, I think so. Um, it, it, you know, I, I really don't worry about the federal government uh, coming after our businesses. I think the state has done a uh, very good job of policing its own um, and uh, coming down on offenders when they find them. Uh, the federal authorities are still around, uh, but they're out, you know, taking care of illegal grows that are out there all over the place, you know, along with 
local law enforcement. That's kind of where their focus is in the cannabis space, and not so much the licensed business. I think they've let, left that to the state to enforce and, and take care of. So um, as long as you're following the rules and that sort of thing, yeah, I, I think you're okay, really, um, right. as far as Colorado goes. Right. Well, so so of the of the multitude of things available to you as a as a you know twenty three year career Air Force veteran, um, why'd you pick cannabis? <laughs> well, uh, uh, that's very interesting. So uh, it started um, back probably a good three years ago, uh, maybe four years ago. I kept seeing uh, all these. Uh, uh, news pieces on TV uh, about people blowing themselves up trying to make hash oil. And after about six or seven of those on TV, I go, my my scientific curiosity got peaked. You know, I kind of have a technology and science background. And, and so I thought, okay, this is the 21st century. This makes no sense to me. Let, let me find out what they're doing here. And then I found out, oh, okay, they're using butane. I see, get it. Uh, that's why they're blowing themselves up. But Surely, uh, people who are extracting plant compounds aren't using butane out there for, you know, all the essential oils that are available out there today, right? And uh, as I did my research, I realized that uh, it's pretty much the cannabis industry using butane and nobody else. And uh, I started learning a lot about all the extraction methods just because I became curious about it, never thinking about doing it as a business. And then uh, I realized that, wow, okay, um, yeah, we have things like steam extraction, a little tried and truth method. And then there's this thing called CO2 supercritical fluid, which really uh, caught my attention because I love physics and all that sort of thing. So uh, <laughs> as I delved into that a little bit more, I, I, I saw that as a very uh, clean and uh, uh, interesting way to extract plant compounds. So um, that led into my thinking of, geez, I wonder if you could you know, make money doing that. And I started doing some, some cost modeling, cost benefit analysis stuff, all that sort of thing, running the numbers. And, and oh, yeah, I think you can, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, so, uh, we're all, you know, uh, all of our investment comes from, from inside, uh, our, our family. We don't have any outside investors. I just pitched it to the family and said, what do you guys think? And, uh, got the thumbs up and, um, we proceeded from there. So, uh, right. so that's so how we got to where we are today. Yeah. So science, science driven entrepreneurial background, or, 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 I mean, had you run businesses before or is this the, the first entrepreneurial, um, endeavor you've gone? This is my first entrepreneurial en- endeavor. Obviously, you know, I have uh, a business background since I left the military and, uh, understand how to evaluate investments and, you know, like I said, do cost modeling and cost benefit analysis and all those sorts of things. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I was able to run numbers pretty effectively. Um, and I think that's actually one of the things that trips a lot of people up. I hear this from vendors and you may see it yourself too, where folks don't do that diligence on the front end with the financials yep. and, um, and <laughs> get themselves yeah, into a I, tough spot. So, yeah, that's a, that's a common, uh, a common thread that, uh, you know, we, we actually, uh, which we train our, our sales guys to kind of you know look out for when when somebody calls us in a similar situation to yours where they say hey you know I I think I want to you know try to get in on this this opportunity which is the cannabis industry today and you know we'll we'll say well what's what what kind of product are you looking to manufacture and they say well I want to make it all I want to make dabs and shatter and vape pens and edibles and huge huge red flag for us because that tells us that you know they haven't really done all of their due diligence on on the marketplace you know like you said all the cost 
cost benefit of analysis and then the pieces parts that you want to make and that kind of stuff that's a uh, that's a, a huge red flag so it's good to hear that uh, you know you've, you've recognized that and done it um, nonetheless you know you're, you're transitioning you're entrepreneurial in you know one of the more saturated parts of the country you know being uh, being yeah. Denver or Pueblo Colorado real close to Denver there so um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, when we come back I want to talk about you know some of the trials and tribulations of, of getting into the, the business of cannabis in a saturated market like Colorado. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say Wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. Do you have new ideas that you believe will make a difference in the cannabis industry? Looking to make your brand or service stand out? The first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is seeking sponsors and speakers for its inaugural event August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners are all welcome to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Grow with us in this groundbreaking event, the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Learn more at usccexpo.com. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Again, our guest today, Steve Nelson, the owner of Ascent Extracts out of Pueblo, Colorado. So, Steve, you, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about your background, Air Force, you know, Space Command, um, working on some of the uh, the drug task force, interestingly enough, moving into, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial opportunity of cannabis. But, you know, you're, you're in Pueblo. And I'm assuming you're in Pueblo because of the fact, you know, you guys are close to the uh, the uh, all the Air Force activities up there in Colorado Springs. Um, 
or maybe just like Pueblo. I'm not sure, but why why Colorado and and what's some of the challenges that you've had uh, starting a cannabis business in the saturated market of Colorado? Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, so when I retired from the military, it was you know here in Colorado, and uh, so lived here for a while, um, and. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, looking at that, uh, we, you know, when we were looking at uh, locations, um, we looked at Denver area, uh, including, you know, its surrounding suburbs and Pueblo as well. And so kind of back to that discussion about, you know, costs and, and looking at the financials, um, you know, I kind of kept a tabulation of pluses and minuses or pros and cons of different locations that we were looking at. And uh, it became clear that Pueblo was the better place to go. Um, the cost to operate, uh, the regulatory environment, uh, Denver is continuing to ratchet down there and making it harder and harder for folks to operate and certainly much more expensive to operate there. So on the other hand, Pueblo has been fantastic. Um, obviously they still require that you have your act together, you know, have your, you know, your paperwork, of course, but, um, you know, they look at other things too. You have to meet, um, you know, a County board, you know, where they, they quiz you and all that kind of stuff. And, um, uh, not everybody fares well in those things. Uh, we did exceedingly well. My, my meeting with the County board lasted all of 10 minutes, um, <laughs> because, it was clear to them that I had a plan and <laughs> had my SOPs all ready to go and everything. And, um, and so they didn't need to spend a whole lot of time with me, but, um, they've been fantastic to work with. They're responsive, um, and, uh, actually want to see us succeed. So I've been pretty happy with, with that choice. And, uh, the fact that, um, you know, uh, the other nice thing about Pueblo is I've got some uh, fantastic neighbors, all of which are licensed businesses in the industry. So I have grows all around me, um, other extraction uh, labs um, that we try to help each other out. You know, if they're a butane outfit and they do certain types of products and people are looking for those, I'll send customers them to them and like they'll do likewise when uh, customers are looking for our products. So Right, right. Uh, so, so it's a nice collaborative place. Yeah, generally accepting environment, um, you know, being being Pueblo, um, but still Colorado. So you know, uh, there's a yeah. there's a phenomenon that's been happening over the last five years for sure, where you know, commoditization of cannabis, you know, supply and demand. Just you know, your basic economic principles are are strongly in play and, and uh, seem to be on an yeah. exponential curve as opposed to a linear a linear curve. So you know, things are getting <laughs> much much tighter, much much faster, I think, than most people uh, are used to, and that can really throw off your your economic economic models um yeah. you know two or three years ago and it's where I, I was just talking to somebody the other day it's two or three years ago finding material in colorado was almost impossible right i mean there was no material available there's they were paying you know 500 bucks a pound for trim and just absurd numbers and today it sounds yep. like it's almost completely flip-flopped where you know there's there's an yes. abundance of material um are, are you seeing the same thing Absolutely, Andy. And, and so saturation is the word to use for Colorado. Um, and uh, race to the bottom. That's <laughs> another phrase right. we can use here. Um, we've uh, we've done uh, both of those successfully here. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's uh, while running a lab, it helps to have cheap source material. Um, the problem we have is, is just a lot of growers now are really in a bind. I, I know, I know personally, 
several growers that are sitting on hundreds or thousands of pounds of material that they simply cannot move right now. Um, wow. the, the bar has is, is gotten high enough for quality that um, people that are, are buying flour or trim don't have to accept anything substandard necessarily, or if they do, it has to be deeply discounted. So <clears throat> myself and others are finding all kinds of deals out there, which which helps if you're making bulk distillates. If you're going to make something for, um, say, vape pens or something, you're going to probably want a, maybe a little better quality if you're going to try to pull terpenes or that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. a lot of what's out there right now is just, <clears throat> it's been sitting there, especially down here, we have out door growing allowed and a lot of that product is still sitting waiting to be moved and uh and unfortunately they'll probably lose money on it because the taxes on it will be more than probably what it's worth uh, right right marketplace at the moment yeah yeah that's uh that's 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 crazy yeah that's crazy but you know it's uh it's kind of the, the 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 same story here and over and over that you know the flower the commoditization of flower and flower material um is is really really uh you know crunching the the growers hard and you know yeah that's uh that's challenging but you know finding where you can add value is you know where most people are finding the success today in the cannabis space and that's generally taking something and and you know turning it into something that's more valuable than what you started with which is you know the basic of extraction you uh, you mentioned there just mm-hmm. dis- you know bulk distillate is kind of where you guys have found your niche so you're taking um I, I'll, I'll be i'll be uh, a little bit harsh here and say taking garbage material and turning it into you know some really really nice distillate uh which you know extraction and distillation can do that's it's one of the one of the great things about the whole process but um you know you're as you're as you're going through and doing this are you finding that you know you're um how do i say this are you finding a pretty high demand for for bulk distillate and, and who are you selling to yeah so uh there is a high demand it's usually sold and you know you know the thousands of grams at a whack often um and um it's well some of the material we use could be considered uh the very low end I, we don't uh, here at our lab we we try not to go there simply because um you know there's the financials of yield right so mm-hmm. if i you know it takes the same amount of time to run something that gives me six percent yield versus nine percent yield right, right. So both batches take me the same amount of time which one's the better use of my equipment and, and our productivity right and that sort of thing. So um, we try not to go with the, the real low end because it's just not as productive for us. So um, the market for distillate is there. It's mostly edibles companies that are um, buying this. Um, a lot of them are moving away from other things. Some of them have used um, crude oil or hash or all kinds of things that affect the flavor uh that's one of the problems one of the things we have yet to mature in in this industry um is is some of those things that have to be overcome a lot of the kitchens out there they they aren't chemists they aren't scientists uh, or anything like that and and uh so they're still learning as well and they're gravitating gravitating towards things like distillate and on the cbd side a lot of them are gravitating towards isolate Mm-hmm. as well, which is a crystalline substance. So that's a very huge market out here as well. But um, uh, the volume is fairly large. The margins are not so much. <laughs> right. Um, you Back to that saturation a, work again, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, you, know, you, you have to rely on volume because um, where the market is, has come now that you can expect if you're out there selling distillate that you know your net margins are going to be single digits. 
Um, so it's it's not a place, you know, if I knew what I know now, if I knew that three years ago, I, I don't know that I would have taken this route. I might have gone the CBD route instead with hemp. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to uh, kind of evaluate investments, right, based on um, risk and reward potential, you know? Right. Yep. And uh, we have a large risk in this industry and now a low reward because of the commoditization of things. So um, I think that will... That, that's already limiting further investment out here in Colorado. Um, I think what you'll see, uh, the next natural uh, evolution to occur is um, bigger entities coming in and you'll see market consolidation, right? That's right. a normal thing that happens with industries. And uh, we see some signs of it already. Um, some folks coming in quietly to buy things, you know, here and there. And I think some folks will just fold the tent and go home as well because they're not making money. So um, I expect more of that, especially if the federal government decides to legalize things. Then the big money rolls in. Right, right. That opens a whole different can of worms there. So, but uh, yeah. yeah. So I want to uh, I want to dig into something here a little bit. You know, you're uh, you're in an interesting position where you know bulk distillate is is where uh, you know you're paying the bills, um, and you know you you chose CO2 extraction as the as the bulk extraction method to support your distillation operation. Uh, tell me about that a little bit. You know, most of the guys that are, that are running distillates nowadays would say, "Well, I'm going to run alcohol because you know it's faster and better, and you can clean anything up." Uh, you're running CO2. Is that, uh, is that intentional, and, and what's the pros and cons? Well, um, I, I think going back to um, our original intent is we wanted to build a brand, but we knew we couldn't get there um, right away. But that's kind of a long-term thing because of the challenges in the marketplace. It's a crowded marketplace. We're all fighting for shelf space, and there's a million brands out there. Um, so um, <clears throat> the, the shelf space branded stuff um, definitely likes – CO2 extracted products. Um, there are some ethanol extracted um, products seeping in there, but it's it's probably the minority at the moment. Um, uh, so I, you know, we had that in mind, and then uh, it, it just so happens that we can also do the bulk bulk work as well. Yes, CO2 does take a long time compared to ethanol. We get, we all know the pros and cons of the different extraction methods, right? Um, mm-hmm. On the other end, though, um, <laughs> uh, you know, ethanol isn't perfect either. You know, there's, um, you know, some challenges there with filtration that you got to get through and pull it. You know, they may not pull the things that we pull, like waxes, for instance. They don't pull a lot of those. But there's some other things that get pulled in that they have to filter out as well. So, um, you know, there's pros and cons to each. Uh, I see a lot more of the ethanol extraction occurring right now on the hemp side. There's a lot of growth in that area. Um, definitely because they're dealing with tremendous volumes, you know. Right, right, right. Huge, huge volumes. And so, let's. Uh, so, the yeah. hemp, hemp and uh, the hemp market is a is an interesting one for sure. Um, let's uh, let's take another quick break. When we come back, let's dig a little bit further into into CBD. You know, I've got a I've got a theory that CBD is a uh, is a fad um, and isn't going to last forever. After all, you know, all these uh, things happen uh, in the future with you know federal legalization and things like that. But let's. Uh, I'd be curious to yeah. hear your opinion on. It. Let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Super Critical after we hear from our sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. 
Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com Are you ready to be inspired and educated by the best of the best in the cannabis industry while enjoying sunny South Florida? Then you cannot miss out on the first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, August 24th to the 26th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. The USCC Expo welcomes all cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Be one of the first to register today at USCCExpo.com. That's USCCExpo.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Again, today's guest, Steve Nelson, a sent... Ascent. I almost said it again to you. Ascent extracts out of Pueblo, Colorado. So we were uh, we were, we, were, we we left off talking about uh, you know there's a there's a consumer perception, consumer demand, if we want to call it that, for CO2 extracted distillate, um, which is interesting. You know that uh, that's that's a differentiator that you can put on product packaging that uh, that says CO2 extracted, um, as opposed to you know any other type of extraction or no extraction method at all mentioned. Um, and that's a that's an interesting just. Uh, differentiator but you know talking about hemp and, and cbd isolate um you know there's a there's a big demand for it right now and you know i i personally think you know barring any medical you know efficacy and and you know i'm not saying anything about its its usefulness or not usefulness but rather the marketplace is shifting towards a huge huge amount of cbd and there's you know hemp farms going in by thousands of acres all across the country there's going to be you know uh, i think there's going to be a huge crash in the the market uh, associated with cbd just because there's going to be so much of it that's really being dribble, driven by the illegality of THC. Steve, give me mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. Do you agree? Disagree? What What do you think? Well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm somewhat in agreement with you, Andy. I think um, I, I, while I wouldn't say um, the CBD market crash is is going to happen this year, 
Um, I think, you know, maybe after a couple of years, um, what I'm seeing right now in the industry, and I, I just know a lot of folks uh, on both sides, the, you know, the, the THC side as well as the, the hemp CBD side. And um, the, what they're doing this year, what, what we see a lot of is a lot of people trying to play catch up. So while we have like an overabundance in Colorado of THC product right now, um, uh, when you make CBD isolate, it sells uh, sometimes before you're done with the batch. Okay. Mm. So, um, and so there's a lot of catch up trying to meet that demand because that stuff gets shipped all over the place. It goes overseas. It goes all over the country. There's none of this has to be in the state boundaries, uh, uh, thing that we have with the THC products. So, um, while a lot of that stuff right now is, I think, in its infancy with uh, CBD, um, I think given where the legislation is headed, uh, I think you may have seen some recent things with, uh, for instance, Mitch McConnell's bill and that sort of thing. I, I have a feeling that uh, once those floodgates open on that front, then the big money will come in and take care of all those. <laughs> uh, demand issues uh, right, right away, right. <laughs> and um, and and then you know. So you're right; it'll it'll happen, but I think it might be a couple years away yet. So I think folks can ride the gravy train for a couple years and make a little bit of money, but eventually they'll get to where we're at on the THC side. Right, right, and you know, five, I don't know, say five, maybe six years ago, the play for the cannabis industry was get as big as you can, as fast as you can, to position yourself so that when big money does come in, they don't start from scratch; they just buy up. You think that's still a, a you think it's still a, um, a directive that the or an you know, was the direction that that this big money is going to go, or you think they're going to try to start from scratch? I think there'll be some of that, and there has been a little of that that's gone on already kind of quietly in the industry um you know where a, a brand a large company will buy up a lab but leave it under its brand name in, in mm -hmm. so that they don't know that it's owned by you know big company x and that sort of thing so there's some of that that's already gone on behind the scenes that we know um out there but um i, I tend to think um that when federal legislation um uh aligns with the state the state laws um it's going to be not unlike what walmart did 40 years ago or so uh, to the mom and pop shops mom and pop shops weren't given an option to be bought they were just crushed right and and that's going to happen here and it, it, and, and for various reasons um a lot of the shops are very small um very very small um <clears throat> there is high turnover at those places uh not a lot of automation there's a fair amount of inefficiencies and all the same same issues that mom and pops had 40 years ago when walmart walked in right um that's where we're at today so while certain parts of our industry have matured that has not so much and um they just they won't probably have an opportunity uh, to be bought. Um, they'll just be some larger entity out there that will just consume their business. Right, just crush them, which is, you know, interesting because, uh, like I said, five or six years ago, if you're going to get in the cannabis space and you wanted to, you know, make some money, uh, you know, the, the goal, not so much just the short term, but, you know, to have a longer term value um, was to you know, position yourself for a sale when big money comes in. Nowadays, mm -hmm. it sounds like, you know, in, you know, unless you're joining an already established group, um, you know, taking advantage of what you would describe as a as short term opportunity in the CBD, for instance, um, you know, that would say 
go small, right? Go small, make as much money as you can, you know, revenue, profit on a year-to-year basis, and just, you know, expect at some point in time you're going to close the doors and walk away. So don't necessarily make, you know, investments in huge investments in technology and, and you know, long-term valuation kind of stuff. Rather, just ride the short-term wave and get out. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a, a viable um uh, strategy, actually, uh, I, I really do. And you know, the the beautiful thing about having an abstraction facility is um, <clears throat> the processes, the methods, the equipment, and all the science that we apply here could be applied to other plants. So that's always been our backup plan in the event that something changed with the feds and things started collapsing. You know, we could we could take all of this this lab and go extract, you know, lavender oil or whatever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we could pick a plant or plants um and and uh keep it as a viable operating lab just doing a, just a completely different industry. So growers you know, that's a big switch to go from cannabis to something else, um, you know, uh, and the stores, eh, they don't really have an option for that either. But when you're working in a lab, especially doing what we do, CO2, which is an industry standard extraction method for essential oils, um, it's a great option to have uh, in the event that, you know, things change here dramatically where it's not um, financially sound to stay in the industry. Right, right. So there's always the uh, always the option to pivot into you know na- natural products, flavorings, essential oils, nutraceuticals. Um, and, Absolutely. And, you know, CO2 extraction. While you know, again, four or five years ago was was a lot slower. Today, uh, it's it's significantly faster. You know, as a as a side note, we uh, we've got a customer in uh, in Kentucky that's working on some industrial hemp, and uh, bought one of our systems from about five. Some, you know, pretty uh, pretty ancient technology nowadays, um, and we uh, we we, uh, we just found out that it's uh, compared to our newest duplex CO2 system, which is kind of the other side of the spectrum. It's processing about twelve and a half times faster, twelve and a half times faster than that system yeah. that we built five years ago. So you know, you got a good point about CO2 and and the option to pivot into other industries. And that option, you know, if you look at butane and propane, that's not necessarily an option to be able to pivot, right? Those guys are going to have a hard time getting into natural right. products and flavor. Rings. You know, ethanol is pretty widely yeah. used, um, but CO2 has differentiation in uh, in multiple industries, not just cannabis. So that's a that's a good strategy. Yeah. It's a good point. For sure. Yeah, I've been paying attention to uh, that. Uh, I, I happen to know that other customer of yours. We've we've chatted quite a bit on Instagram, um, and uh, uh, she's got uh, some interesting, beautiful results coming out there uh, of uh, what's coming off the machine. So um, I think, uh, yeah, speed speed is the is probably the area that you guys have recognized uh, the area for improvement for CO two over time, right? Getting that you know, uh, processing time down and, and, um, certainly the quality is there and the ability to pull fractions and all kinds of good things like that. I think the industry is, is, um, eventually going to mature where, uh, we probably start looking at not just things like CBD and THC. Like we've just, in, in my industry here, we've totally monetized Delta 9 THC in Colorado right. at the expense of all other cannabinoids, right? Yep. <laughs> um, exactly. But, <laughs> but there's value in those other cannabinoids. You just have to do some extra work after extraction to get to those, you know, some separation of the different cannabinoids. And there's equipment for that. It's just very expensive currently. Um, but I think right. that, you're going to see that happen as the market matures, where people go, "Hey, I need you know 
10 kilos of CBG. Okay. Got it. You know, right. Um, right. We're not there yet. For sleep and that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. That carries into the whole, uh, the, the whole, you know, single compounding, which, uh, unfortunately we're not going to have time to have the discussion because that's probably another whole, uh, whole interview in itself, single compounding and then, and, uh, all the, all the great stuff that comes with it. But, um, Steven, appreciate your time today on the show. If somebody wanted to, uh, to, to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing it? Yeah, um, they can uh, certainly uh, check us out on uh, our website. That's uh, ascentextracts.com. Uh, we have a contact page there. Uh, we're also on Instagram. Um, you can find us at, you know, hashtag ascentextracts. Um, we're, we're always uh, uh, quick to respond, anybody who uh, wants to give us a shout. So uh, Fantastic. feel free to do so. And, and I call it ascent several times, which uh, hopefully goes into the spelling. But just for those of you who uh, don't know how to spell like I didn't, it's A-S-C-E-N-T. Um, I had to look it up a couple of times there. Sorry about the mispronunciation on that. <laughs> That's okay, so, Andy. Yep. All right. Thanks for being a uh, guest. And uh, for everybody else out there listening, uh, find more Mission Supercritical shows at Apex Supercritical's website, apexsupercritical.com. And for the rest of you, happy extracting. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.